Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. On today's episode is Dan Bradar. We're talking about his business, Ideal Power. He's the president, CEO, and director of the business. It's traded on the NASDAQ. And we're going to be talking all about innovation and some of the pretty incredible things that his business is doing. All that and more, here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. You know, you maybe if you've been paying attention, you've noticed that there's all sorts of just frankly really cool technological advancements that are happening in our society. Uh, you may have seen anything from autonomous cars to fully electric vehicles. It's kind of amazing just seeing the new things that are cropping up, uh, not just year by year, but seemingly almost week by week now. Now, you may have wondered, as these new advancements happen, who are these people who are making these things happen? And more importantly, who are the people who are the leaders who are really just sort of um, helping pave the way for really our sustainable future? Well, Dan Bradar is joining us on the podcast today. He's the CEO of Ideal Power. It's a company that's traded on the NASDAQ, and they specialize in clean, sustainable energy and all the solutions that come with that. In fact, one of their patented products is the BTRAN semiconductor switch, which we'll talk about more today on today's episode. And uh, there's all sorts of really cool, innovative stuff that they're doing that we're going to dive into. Dan, it's so great to have you on the show today. I really appreciate you joining me. Oh, thanks, Blake. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Dan Dan and I were joking, or I was kind of laughing to myself a second ago, because um, Dan, I, I, I really am so excited for the future. I mean, like it, it almost blows my mind, like the things that are happening, like that are evolving technology wise, just in the last like five to 10 years. Um, but I, I, it's a lot of it's over my head. Like I was reading about like your semiconductor and I was reading about like the, um, the white paper you guys have on your website, uh, for listeners, this is idealpower.com. And it, it was something very intuitive in the sense of like, okay, yeah, a mechanical switch has its flaws. It's not as efficient as maybe the semiconductor switch. And I don't necessarily want to like jump into all the jargon immediately, but all I'm saying is as I was reading through the white paper, I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is intuitive. Like, do you guys ever feel like as you're as you're sort of paving the way for this this technological future that some of this stuff is it is it I'm assuming it's just it must be so exciting, right? It is. You know, we we're we're living in a time where there's some really fundamental changes happening in the world around us. You think about the world is in the process of beginning the transition to electric vehicles, the adoption of renewable energy, solar and wind. Um, even though we hear about them a lot, they're still very small in terms of the total generation. Right. That's a major trend that's also happening. You know, the use of batteries for things like electric vehicles, for energy storage for your home, for a whole variety of applications. Uh, those are things that are kind of all coming together uh, and are going to create a world that's very different than the one that we've grown up in. 
fundamental changes. And we're happy to be participating in, in how those technologies are coming to market and also helping some of them perform better. You know, it's interesting. About 10 years ago, I was a high school teacher in Houston, Texas. And um, the class that I taught, it was basically there was this element of it that was all in like clean energy, um, mm-hmm. sustainable future. And I remember even even as I was teaching these things, my students were like, there's no way that, you know, like, for example, like a battery, like for solar panels that could actually like a super battery, mm-hmm. um, like these kinds of conversations. I mean, they're being like, there's no way that's ever going to happen. And even me as the teacher, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But like, it feels like we are in that time as like these crazy advancements are happening. And I mean, when you think about when you were a kid, I mean, in some of these like comments maybe popped up or like, will we ever have a fully electric car? I mean, does it blow your mind to think about like how even today's life is so different from maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago? Well, what blows my mind is how long it took to get here. Um, You know, you think about it. I think Jimmy Carter was the one that put uh, solar panels on the White House. Um, Think about, you know, how far back that was. But for all these technologies, what's happened with all of them is they have gotten much lower in cost and much higher in performance. You think about flat screen TVs when they first came out, you know, they cost $10,000, $20,000 and the picture was terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, now you can buy a big screen for $300 with a beautiful picture, right. yeah. just the way technology evolves. And the same thing has happened with the cost of solar panels, the cost of batteries, the cost of electric vehicles. So it's, uh, it's surprising sometimes how long it takes for technology to get there, but ultimately it's the economics and performance that are going to drive the, the real growth of all this stuff. Because, you know, you know, I'm in Austin, Texas, you know, Texas, is not known as the environmental leader of the country. You know, we are driven by economics hmm. and we have more wind than any other state in the country. Uh, we see solar being put in in very large scale here, not because it's you know, solving some socially responsible you know, uh, mandate, it's because in a lot of places, it's become the lowest cost source of generation. Right. So what's great is these things that are fundamental changes also happen to be really economically competitive and will continue to, to get even more competitive and, and higher performing as time goes on. Yeah. And that's, I think what I is exciting to me because the like renewable resources, like this kind of conversation 10 years ago, it felt like it was like, if we were going to evaluate it, it would be like 90% of it was um, oh, it's just better for the environment. And the other 10% was like, oh yeah, maybe it's maybe it's efficient or more money or what have you, or better, better cost. And now it does seem like that's the case, what you're saying of that, you know, I just read about a school district, for example, that converted their entire district to solar. Again, not because they were trying to, you know, um, make any like larger statement about sustainability, but because they were like, hey, actually, this is cheaper for us yeah. than what we were doing before. And so yeah. it's interesting how even that's changed over the last several years. It, it really has. You know, it, it took, I think, some longer term vision, you know, at the Department of Energy and the federal government level in general to sort of set policy and then invest in these technologies. Because for a lot of them, they were too far from market readiness, really, for the private industry to do it. I mean, you know, solar, it's taken, you know, decades to get to the point it is now. But as a result of that longer-term view, uh, we now have the industries taking and running where customers are doing it, not just because they want to do something that's better from an environmental standpoint, but because it truly does save them money. Do you ever feel like, I mean, I'm just like kind of processing this, you know, it, like public perception or like public opinion, like you mentioned Jimmy Carter putting solar panels on the roof of the White House. 
I mean, surely there had to be a lot of eyebrows raised, like, okay, what are you really doing? Um, Even today near my house, we have this large patch of land that um, our electric company put in a a basic like massive, um, I don't know what to call it, like a solar farm, I guess, but it's it's just, you know, a massive field of solar panels. And I was talking to someone that got brought up and they were like, oh, like, why are they even doing that stuff? And I was kind of taken aback because I was like, is this a, is this, you know, it feels like today everything's so like opinionated, right? And I was yeah, like, is this really sure. an issue? But um, I can only imagine that in the past that, you know, someone like Jimmy Carter making this decision, which in hindsight, we're like, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it, it does feel like public opinion. This has been a, a, issue of controversy, I guess. I don't know. What's yeah. what's your take on that? Well, you know, part of it is, I think a lot of people are just naturally resistant to change. Um, you know, so there's this issue of doing something different. Why, why should you? Um, if you look at the reasons why people make buying decisions, you know, a lot of them really don't get down to um, more than a few issues. And, you know, one of the reasons if, you know, that people buy things is because it can save them money or it can offer them something that they didn't have before. You know, I I was in the Northeast when um, we had a couple of storms that had power outages for days. And what a lot of people discovered was, geez, you know, if I had solar panels and batteries in my house, I wouldn't be freezing. Uh, and, it, and it drove a significant uptake. So I think part of it is people want to take control of their lives, the things that impact how they spend their money. And if they can do it and save money at the same time, yeah. um, these things start to get, the decisions get made for more practical reasons. You know? Well, and even like, you know, our, our concept of what's possible has changed because um, yeah. I've even heard conver- conversations about like the solar panel battery. And um, I even remember 10 years ago, my students asking me like, so how long is this battery going to last? Like 15 minutes, like 30 yeah. minutes? Because I mean, the only like tangible comparison we have is like a double A battery, yeah. right? So we have like no concept of uh, some, uh, a battery that has any longer um, charge than that. Um so it even seems like people are um, sort of discovering together, like, wow, there's some of these advancements can be really convenient, and it's actually a lot more um, practical than maybe we've we've perceived. Um, I really like yeah. going. I don't know if you've ever gone to like if you ever get on Reddit or all at all or not. Um, it's a uh, one of our social media platforms, but there's one called Futurology where people mm-hmm. they post like latest advancements and stuff. And yeah. um, it is pretty mind-boggling the things that are happening. It, you know, and it's funny because there's so many things that happen at uh, universities and national labs that are, you know, people don't see it. It's so far from being commercially ready, but, you know, there's this steady march of progress in technology. I mean, you think back to like the early NASA missions, you know, the computing power that was on, you know, on those, those uh, spaceships that were going up. Your phone has more computing power than those spaceships did, you know, that's and a wild. lot of this steady yeah. progress of technology. You know? Yeah, that's and that's wild to me because, again, and I don't know if we just we just don't have the data points of, of comparison, but like, I mean, you look at your phone, you're like, oh, it's a phone, yeah, you know, and you don't you don't really conceptualize all the processing power and capabilities in it, um, you know, and and something else I was thinking about too is. It almost feels like your business, the ideal power, is um, very entrepreneurial. Like I, I always get really excited when I have someone on the show who there's there's a problem that this business is trying to solve, and they're trying to mm-hmm. solve it in innovative, creative ways. 
do you guys see yourselves as, entre- as entrepreneurial? I mean, uh, definitely, you know, especially, you know, nowadays, if you are in a small company and small companies actually are probably, my own personal view is probably where there's more innovation that happens than big companies because they don't have the bureaucracy and all the things right. that come with being big companies. It attracts a different mindset. It atta- attracts people that are willing to ask, well, either why are we doing something this way or why can't we do it a different way? Um, and it, it brings a willingness to explore, you know, to just basically do things that in a big company, you know, people are managing their career, they're, you know, trying to do incremental improvements in technology versus, you know, in smaller entrepreneurial fields, it's more like, well, we, this has never been done, but yeah. I don't see why we can't do it. You know, it's not possible, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, it's like this appetite for disruption that, yeah. Um, and I, I agree with you. I do appreciate the small business owner. I do appreciate the startup. On, on one hand, I, I think it is um, simpler when you don't have all that bureaucracy and there's like that agility there. But also, it does seem like there's an open mindedness to, um, again, just just reading about your your B trans switch. Um, and again, this is from a guy who you know perused this white paper. <laughs> so I don't want I don't want to offend anyone from your business who listens to the podcast. But reading through it, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, like a mechanical switch. This is such an obvious upgrade. But I I, I uh, sometimes I read things about this and I'm like, why wasn't this done sooner? And I understand that sometimes the technology is not there yet. But I also assume that there's people in in the industry who, you know, they flick a mechanical switch and they're like, yeah, that's fine. Like why yeah. why change it, right? So I appreciate the small business because it's there is like this appetite for okay yeah let's let's what if we did innovate this what if we yeah. did change this um, and it seems like that's something that you guys are doing each day at Ideal Power. Well, you know it's funny when um, semiconductor switches are are used in all kinds of things. You you have a whole bunch of them in your home. You don't even realize it. They're in your okay. refrigerator, your washer and dryer, your microwave. They're in your car. Um, but we came up with one that has a particularly high level of performance. It has very low losses and it's bi-directional. And when our founder came up with it, you know, my first reaction was, this seems so intuitively obvious. Why hasn't somebody thought of this before? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the reality was nobody needed to. Um, there was, <laughs> there's been ways to make a semiconductor switch for a long time. But you know, in our case, what happened was as the cost of batteries became more and more, you know, cost effective for so many applications, we looked at it and said, you know, you really need something that can actually control the flow of power in both directions because batteries have to be charged and they discharge when you're using them. Um, and it really, it really forced someone to take a step back and say, there's probably a better way to do this. And you know, we happen to come up with a better way to do it. You know, you know it's interesting. You're talking about this perfect union of it's a great idea, it's intuitive, um, and I always love these ideas that people come up with that everyone else is like, that's so obvious. Like, why didn't anyone think of yeah. this? Yeah, um, I think that's where some real magic happens. But so you have this innovation, and then simultaneously you have the market, uh, you have people who need it, who are it's just the right timing. They're like, yes, this is exactly what we need. Um, I know for some of the people who listen to the podcast, that timing element can be a bit discouraging because they yeah. feel like they really do have that <laughs> great thing, but either it's not time yet, maybe they even just missed it. I had a friend of mine, for example, who um, this would have been five or six years ago. He he ran, he started a business that was a grocery delivered to your door business. Mm-hmm. 
five, yeah. six years ago. Yeah. Now, today, I mean, last year, 2020, I mean, that would have probably taken off, right? Yeah. With COVID. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it was five or six years ago and there just wasn't really the demand for it. So what are your thoughts on that, by the way? It, you know, it, it's you see a lot of cases where people have great ideas and the timing is just not right to support it for one reason or another. And, you know, part of it is luck, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but part of it is, are you starting with, you've got a great idea, or are you starting with what's the problem you're looking to solve? And if there's a real problem that you're focusing on and you can bring a great idea to it, um, you don't have the timing issue. I mean, there's... I've seen lots of really interesting ideas. I, I used to be an associate director at one of the Department of Energy's national labs, and we would get proposals for all kinds of new innovative energy technologies. Uh, and a lot of them were really good ideas, but there just wasn't a path for them really to be commercialized because while it was a nice and interesting way to do something, there wasn't really a big meaningful problem they were solving. You know, yeah. There was an answer that was already there that was just fine. Yeah. So I think it's really making sure that are you starting with What's the pain point for a customer? You know, what mm. what is the individual issue that you're trying to solve where you can bring a different way to do something? I really like this. This is a really powerful concept for our listeners, only because it does feel like in the world of entrepreneurship, for many people, becoming an entrepreneur is a very um you know, I'm stepping into my life calling. Like it's very, I don't necessarily say it's selfish, but it's very introspectively driven. Like I've, yes. maybe I've been in a job I really hated and now I'm finally tracking out to make a name for myself. And for our listeners that it's, it's, there's nothing, you don't need to be, be a martyr at all. I mean, it's totally fine <laughs> to, you know, to do that. I mean, it's why I started my business, but Dan, something you said that I think was really powerful. It feels like the people that I've seen go on to do something creative that actually um, is successful is that insight you just gave on it's about solving a problem your customer has, which again, sounds so obvious, sounds so intuitive, but it does seem like people's journeys in entrepreneurship is so much easier when that's that's happening from the get-go, like when yeah. you're looking at the customers, you're looking at the industry rather than it being primarily um this is about my own journey this is about my own you know decisions that i'm making uh and again it sounds intuitive but i have talked to entrepreneurs we've had people who've um commented who've come on the show that um it, it can be hard from the get go to to think more about other people than yourself when you're starting your business and, and you really you, you have to turn that around if you want to be successful because you really have to spend time talking to who you think your target customers are to understand, you know, what is the pain point for them? What's the issue? Um, where do they see value? Uh, and I see this all the time. You know, I, I'm an engineer, so I can make fun of engineers. Engineers will design products that can do all kinds of interesting things, have all kinds of neat features. You as the consumer get them and think, this thing's so complicated. I only yeah. want to do A, B, and C, but I've got all yeah. this other stuff I've got to understand. Well, Companies that really talk to the customer and understand what is the customer looking for, what is the issue that they they and sometimes customers don't know. Sometimes you have to help them figure that out. Right. Uh, but really focus on where does it bring value to them. Mm -hmm. uh, your odds of success are a lot better. Yeah. And again, that's uh, <laughs> why it's called the Good Advice Podcast. I mean, this is such an obvious, intuitive thing, and yet it's so rare that people do this. In yeah. fact, I, I know a lot of business owners who as they do this customer feedback step and they get pushback, 
they say all sorts of things like, um, oh, well, you were never our customer anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you just didn't get it. And there's like that ego piece again, because it's, it's, there's a lot of myself writing on this venture. Yeah. And so when I, you know, come up with an idea and a customer says, oh, that's stupid. I don't like that. You know, it can be really hard to digest that. Well, yeah, the longer you go before you start talking to customers, the more likely you are to fall in love with your idea. <laughs> yeah, and the more likely you're going to say, it's not them. Uh, you know, it's, they, they don't get it. It's, it's not me. It's them. They don't, they don't really get what a good idea this is, um, which is why really early customer engagement uh, can really influence your own thought process on what you want to do, where you want to go with your idea, um, but also keep you from having to make a major course correction somewhere down the road because you really missed what the customer saw value in. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have any advice for our listeners on having uh, thicker skin in those conversations? Because <laughs> I know customers yeah. sometimes can be really, they can be really um, direct and even abrasive on like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard. This is so stupid. And it, and actually, I think that's a big reason why a lot of entrepreneurs are hesitant to engage in, with customers sure. is because, you know, Again, in many cases, some people have have left their career to start their venture, and so it can be very tempting to not ask anyone what they think, or in the very least, only ask your mom. You know, hey, what do you think about that? <laughs> Who's naturally going to be like, oh, you know, it's the best idea ever. Go get them. You know. <laughs> well, you know, nobody wants to be told their baby's ugly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but at the end of the day, you you really do need to have a thick skin. You really need to listen carefully, and 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 sometimes customers, when they give you feedback. Um, they're not really good at expressing what they're trying to tell you. Um, so you really have to sort of digest what it is they're telling you and look for where there is commonality. I mean, if you've got a couple of outliers, I think you need to make sure that you recognize them as outliers. Um, where, where are the themes and you know what you're hearing, which is why you have to talk to a lot of customers. You can't talk to just your friends, your neighbors, your mom, your dad, whatever. Uh, you really need to actually get to people that you're targeting, hear what they have to say. It may tell you that, they aren't the right customer. I need to mm-hmm. think about either what do I want to do to bring something that they see value in, or is my market segment different than what I thought it was? And that can be okay too. It's all mm-hmm. a matter of constructively taking that advice, that input, sorting through it, and really looking for where are the things that are repetitive in what you're hearing that you need to either consider or change your strategy. Yeah. So like, what does this look like at scale? I mean, a company like Ideal Power, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's... I imagine that you, I would assume maybe you're not just out on the streets asking people, hey, what do you think about this? Um, you know, I, I assume in a larger business, there's probably bigger efforts to get customer feedback to kind of collect these thoughts. Um, how do you do that at scale? What we're doing is we're actually engaging customers. We've actually signed a, uh, agreements with one of the largest solar providers, with one of the top 10 global automakers, with a big Fortune 500 uh, power company. Uh, power equipment company, where we're going to actually provide them prototypes and say, we want your team to actually evaluate these, give us feedback on performance features and so forth, uh, where we're going to get, you know, from a very a variety of market segments that we're targeting, direct feedback from multiple players in that space to tell us where do they see value? What do they want to see different? Or what, you know, what do they like or not like? Is it, is it, this is an honest question. Is it hard at all as a larger business to like as you're parsing feedback? Like some things that I've I've seen happen in smaller businesses. Let's say there's like five people in a room and they're all looking over customer feedback. You know, the customer makes the statement, and every person in the room has a different interpretation 
you know, one person says, oh, they love it. And someone else is like, no, they hate it. And someone else is yeah. like, oh, well, they don't, you know, I mean, in a larger business, is it is it hard to do this? Or is it, I mean, how do you walk that out in terms of getting accurate insights? Yeah, I, part of it is you you have to have an agreement kind of upfront of what is success? You know, what is it that we think you're looking for? Um, and then as they, you know, experience your product or your service, getting a questionnaire filled out is nice. But what you really want to do is you want to sit down and talk to the people. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you want to read their body language. You want to hear how they're saying things. So you actually have the opportunity to take a deeper dive so that you mm-hmm. can clearly, because if people have spent the time looking at a product, what you find is they want to share with you what they think, uh, but you have to spend the time to engage them to draw it out. Because sometimes people, they don't want to hurt your feelings or they, yeah. you know, they don't want to sound like, oh, I don't know enough about your technology to give you the feedback that uh, that you should have. Sometimes the most important feedback are people who are not the technical experts. Um, yeah because they're going to give you a different perspective. I like this answer too, because a lot of times when we think about like scaling as a business, um, sitting down and talking with someone can be a bit unintuitive because it's not, it's not naturally scalable, Yep. but I've had heard comments like the one you just gave from other large business owners who it's like, yeah, it's not very scalable, but being able to sit down and have an honest conversation. Or I had a friend of mine who um, he actually got a really negative comment from a customer on his website. Well, he, he, knew the customer and called the customer. Hey, like, tell me mm-hmm. what happened. What, what was going on when you were navigating the website? And um, he said that conversation was so empowering because not only did the customer feel heard and validated, but it exactly what you said, the customer who wasn't technical had basically navigated the website in a way that he didn't realize customers were navigating. Yeah. So it was really yeah. power. It was really powerful for revising yep. the website experience that he wouldn't have gotten if it was like, well, I can't, you know, I don't have time to sit down and call someone. So... Well, you know, and, and that's an important point. You know, a lot of times you see companies, especially young entrepreneurial companies, they say, I don't have the time to do that. But but what you find is if you've been an entrepreneur for a while, if you don't spend that time up front, you spend a lot more time in the long run <laughs> because you're revising your product or your service repeatedly because you're yeah. learning those lessons on the back end versus learning them on the front end. Yeah. So Dan, we're coming towards the end of our episode. Um, I mean, what do you what are you excited about for the future? I mean, either with Ideal Power or just your own, um, you know, career. Like what's getting I, you up in the morning? I, I'm excited about two things. One is, you know, Ideal Power has this unique semiconductor technology that has the ability to improve the range of an electric vehicle and improve the amount of useful kilowatt hours that you can get out of a, a solar coupled with, with storage, two macro trends that are happening. So for me, that's exciting to see that we're gonna yeah. be able to help take those things to the next level. And then just in general, I'm excited about just the magnitude of change. Because if you think about you know, a kid that's born today, the world that they're gonna live in when you know they're an adult out in the working world is gonna look substantially different and I think substantially better uh, as a result of all this new technology that is coming to the marketplace that is going to be you know, attractive for them to use economically, but also a lot better for the environment. Part of me is on that last comment. I, and I'm not trying to be um, antagonistic about it, but I almost like, I find myself being like, you know, you kids have no idea. Like my, I have a toddler <laughs> and we're doing like this little like, um, you know, like the picture cards that have like the word. And so they read, they try to learn the word. Well, I was flipping through it, and I guess these this pic- picture things from forever ago because I was flipping through it, and one of them was a floppy disk. 
And I was like, <laughs> you know, there's no point teaching her floppy disk. She's never, she is never in her life going to ever see this ever. I, mean, yep, I haven't true. seen one in years. And so, you know, part of me is kind of, um, I can't think of like the right word of like what emotion I'm feeling other than just like, man, they, they are, they are going to have no idea, especially the kids being born today. They're going to have no idea, no concept. Um, even like a lot of like, um, things now are becoming diskless, you know, in terms of like streaming software, mm. in terms of the cloud. Yep. Um, I know, uh, in terms of like video game systems, a lot of them are going diskless. Um, it just kind of blows my mind. Like the things, I guess, really what's going to be possible even down the road, but really what, what life will be like. So. Well, you know, the, and the rate of change is actually accelerating. So, I mean, the good thing is that when, when you're old and retired, your kids will be able to explain the technology to you that you don't understand. <laughs> and to them, you know, it'll be, this is so <laughs> obvious. Why don't you get this? I'm like, surely I'm not going to be that person, but I, I, I guess I will. I, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like a rite of passage too. <laughs> I, I think it'll happen to a lot of us just because the, the rate of technology change is happening so much more quickly than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah, no, it's great. And, and actually this, this really is the last question now that I'm, because now you've got me thinking about this, all this other stuff. Um, in terms of like, you know, the advances in technology, um, like social responsibility, like obviously, you know, I don't think we're, I hope we're not heading towards like a Skynet, you know, Terminator-esque world, obviously, but the world is changing so fast. You know, you're in a technological space. How often are these conversations happening on like, okay, what's, what's like the, the social implication of this? What's the social responsibility of this? Obviously, not really that relevant a conversation when you talk about like a semiconductor, but te technology in general, how often do you see this happen? Well, I, you know, I, I think what's happening is that people are just much more aware of those issues. I mean, you think back, you know, 50 years ago, the tobacco companies were telling you smoking cigarettes was good for you, uh, even though they knew <laughs> otherwise. I think yeah. now most people that are in business, particularly in technology areas, are, are becoming increasingly aware of the social implications of the technologies that they're working on. And it's becoming part of the mainstream thought in terms of where you're going to go with things, what are the safeguards you're going to put in for safety, for protecting the environment, for making sure that uh, you yeah. actually are a good provider for the long term in terms of your products. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, Dan, it's been so fun having you on the podcast today. It was really informative, and I just appreciate you making the time. Thanks, Blake. I really appreciate it. It was great being here. Yeah. Hey, for our listeners, don't forget, you can check out more at idealpower.com. Uh, Dan is also on LinkedIn. I'll put his uh, link to uh, his bio down in the episode description below if you want to connect with him there. And uh, hey, if this was your first episode and you liked the episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click the follow button so we can keep bringing you good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so at our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee, you can support the podcast so we can continue to grow and bring on amazing guests like Dan uh, for your benefit. So having said that, I appreciate those of you who are all already on the Patreon, and I appreciate you listening to today's episode. That's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.